Yeah, it's been cool having this desktop. It's been good for this shit. And you're just using the camera on your desktop? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's all it is, man. You know? Mm-hmm. Just use that. Use the uh, use GarageBand. Just add it shit. Make it easy. Why make it difficult? Yeah. That's what's cool about podcasts. Like, I just got to make it, cut a few things, add my logo in the beginning and end, and we're rocking and rolling, yeah. bro. And once you have the logo and you have everything, it's Your website. Easy. Yeah. And, yeah. And you everything. have a website? Yeah, I got a website. Did you use Squarespace? Of course. <laughs> Squarespace is so easy. It's so crazy because back like in the day, I used to have um, you know MySpace. I was so into HTML, and I mean, people used to ask me to make their MySpaces for them. You know, that's when Usher oh, yeah. Let It Burn was out, and you just broke up with your eighth grade girlfriend. You were like, "Let it burn," and you take her off your top eight, and you took her off your top eight, and that meant you you meant. Like serious business. That's when shit really hit the fan. Yeah. And once you got off the top eight, it's like, all right, we're moving on to the the new generation would probably have no idea what we're talking about because it came, it became a different thing. You know, I mean, MySpace is still around. I try to log into my old profile to for real. Yeah. I, but I couldn't figure out my password. It's hilarious. And I, and I was also, I also had an AOL homepage too. I don't know if people remember that, but those were, uh, that was like even before MySpace days. It was like blogging as a, t- a preteen, listening to Simple Plan and uh, Dashboard Confessional. And yeah, my <laughs> girlfriend was definitely one of those people. I was definitely one of those people as well. Just like, oh my god, my life is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, what well, life was great. <laughs> life was amazing. For sure. All right, y'all. Well, welcome back. We back at it again. RMT in a new location. Got my brother Peter Carpenter here. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Thank you, uh, Eric Zane, for this awesome whiskey. Shout out to Eric. Got uh, sipping on some. It's Eagle Nest, I think it's called, something like that. But yeah, we're back at it. So we're in the new studio. We uh, made it to Columbus. Happy you're here, man. So that's where we're residing. Hell yeah, happy to be here. Both new to Columbus, so for sure, for sure. It's been a been a journey, but uh, three zero to the six one four. We all transferred, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a progression. Like we started off in Warren, we went a little far to Kent, and then it was like, all right, we're getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> and it, and, we, and it's crazy because we all transitioned to the, these new locations around the same time. For like, sure, that's it's, it's kind of insane. It's been nothing but family love. Family you know? love. So no, it's been amazing. And uh, I'm glad that you're the uh, first guest in Columbus. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me, man. This is definitely where we're setting up shop for, for a good while. I love the so. background. I love the tapestry, man. It's uh, it's going away soon. Oh, really? And he's working on the uh, art piece. Is so, it going to be like a big tapestry? Or is it going to be like one of her... Um, uh, uh, it would be comparable like that Cavs thing up there. So gotcha. it's going to be like close like a poster size yeah and so i'm gonna have it right in the middle yeah and uh probably move this thing over to the other wall but uh that way the brand is on the screen the whole time but i'm not just putting some logo up like it's an art piece uh i'll tell you more about it when we get off air because i kind of want it to be a surprise on here but i've been posting little like snippets of it on uh on Instagram, she's been making stuff Her and tagging me. Her art is it. amazing. Rothcom oh Annie on Instagram. I uh, actually, when uh, COVID was, you know, happened and we all got quarantined and we got our stimulus checks, I was still working, so I was just like, I don't need a stimulus check. And you know, our friend Annie, she's an artist, so I reached out to her. I'm like. 
hey, I've always loved your art. And I was like, I just got the stimulus check. You know, I was like, can I commission a painting for you from you? And we had this two hour conversation and it was just like random things, random memories. And she just dove deep and asking questions of like just what like, you know, life meant and what. And we went into like this spiritual journey, you know, this conversation. And from all of that, she created the painting for me. And it just like blew my mind when I saw the finished product. I'm like, you took a two hour conversation and then turned it into art. Like that blew my mind right there. And it was so cool. She's talented, dude. And that's why like every piece, that that's how it goes. It's like, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. You know, she wanted to talk about why I'm, why am I doing the podcast and do I see myself doing it down the road and, and what I wanted to bring to it. And then she hit me with the concept. Cause to me, to an artist, if you're going to ask an artist to do something, you, you know, I've never told her like, I need this, that, and the other. I just give her like an idea and let her just run with it. Yeah. And so she comes back with this concept. Fuck it. I'll say it. So <laughs> it it's going to be the logo in the center. Yeah. And then a, like a left brain, right brain concept. I love random that. millennial thoughts. I love that. And she came up with that and she was like, what do you think about that? And I'm like, you see, this is why I come to you yes. because I wouldn't have thought of that. No, like, <laughs> that's a dope idea. Like that. like, you know, that's an artist's mind right there. And, you know, for her to like do that for you too, it's just, uh, it's really cool. It's for everything, man. It's like, she did it for the love tribe thing. You know, in the painting, there's little tents that you see. And she's like, yeah, that's us. And the fire is creating the love that makes tribe come out. And it's just like so in detail. Oh, and then it glows in the dark. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like you oh, thought of everything. So much you know? love for you, Annie. <laughs> oh, your art is so beautiful. She's the best. If you guys, uh, I think it's Annie Loves. Uh, Rothcom Annie is the one that she has most of her art okay. on. Okay. On Instagram. At yeah, Rothcom Annie. Check her out. Her art's amazing. And uh, if you guys go on my Instagram uh, for the podcast, she's in my was it the profile like bio whatever yeah, and, like yeah. artwork by so you could just go and click right on her page yeah. but any hoozle love you annie love you but we gotta move on <laughs> ah um so yeah i really wanted to bring you on because i think your story is um it's unique but at the same time so many folks have experienced this yeah but there's not a lot of great content around folks that have dealt with um, their prescriptions to Adderall and Xanax and things of that nature. You know, from my perspective, I always thought it was kind of, um, I didn't know if that was the healthiest route to go, you know? And then through life and seeing other people that maybe should have taken the prescriptions when they were younger, didn't, and now they're in a worse spot and you've excelled and you've, you know, and we'll go through that whole journey, but let's just kind of start in the beginning of, you know, so you're a kid mm -hmm. and, and how did that all start? How did you get prescribed Adderall and Xanax? What age were you and, and how did that all kind of come about? So I, so it all started when I was in first grade, uh, and even in kindergarten, uh, my mom just kept getting notes from my teacher mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I was just misbehaving. I was super active, you know, while everyone's standing in line, I'm out running and climbing a tree. 
you know, <laughs> like that, you know, I could never sit down. Like, you know, they would sit down for class. I would just stand up in the middle of class and walk around cause mm-hmm. I couldn't sit. And, um, so that definitely started with that, like that hyper, um, uh, you know, just over overactive. Um, and that was the first sign of, you know, having ADHD. And so my mom read this book. Um, he was one, I don't know his name. Mm-hmm. Um, this I'm, I'm 32 and that's when I'm, when I was sick. So, um, so we went to Pittsburgh and I had to do all these types of testing. So like he was the, actually the leading doctor and you know, this is in 1994, 95. And uh, at the time, he was the one leading the research in ADHD in children and prescribing, at that time, it was Ritalin um, before Adderall. And uh, so I had to do different tests, like sit there, look up. uh, I remember looking at different, like, just pages of different, like, faces, like, think Mm -hmm. emojis that showed different, um, like, emotions. And I had to, I don't even know what the criteria was or like what he was testing for to this day so it's a little weird i'm trying to like think back to it and uh but like i'd like match these faces together and then i would do things like he would time me how long i would screw in a uh a fake light bulb and he would just go go and just see they're just kind of testing your cognitive function Uh, i think it was like the attention and like how long you could focus told, on something? Like, yeah, how long I was told, like, I would question a lot. I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, and I think that was probably the problem because I, <laughs> I was always questioning. I'm like, I was like, I don't understand, like, why. The first time I did it, I was like, I'm going to go forever. I'm going to do this. I'm going to show them how good I, you know, I don't have ADD. And then the, the more and more I, they asked me to do these type of experiments, I was just like, uh, why? Why am I doing this? <laughs> like, as a six-year-old, I'm asking this doctor, like, why are you having? Like, I don't. It's like I don't understand. And uh, so, but shortly after that, they put me on Ritalin at the time. So I had to. I was on Ritalin. I took it three times a day, once before school, and then I would get called down, like get called down to the office, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of the day. So that was kind of embarrassing because. Like it always it, from a young age, it like set me apart off from my peers, and so I, w- I always thought of my like you know looking back at it, I thought of myself as different because everyone knew I was on medication. Like they're like if I forgot, they're like oh Pete forgot his medication. Yeah. Like because I was ta- I talked a lot, and and also dealing with those that chemical Im- imbalance at such a young age. If you like one day you forgot to take your medicine in the morning compared to the next, it's you know you're having a flood of different you know neurotransmitters happening you know dopamine norepinephrine and serotonin, and and the uptake of these different you know chemicals and hormones. So uh, dealing with that is at such a young age, and you know and the fact that now like all my peers are like, did you take your medicine today and. Um, and then I then so I would have to you know like I said go to the office at, you know in elementary school walk down there take my medicine and go back to class and then I would take it once I got home too, and so th- and so you one, would take Ritalin twice a day three times a day three times a day yeah so wait one once in the morning once in the afternoon at school yeah and then once when I got home 
So what did it feel like by the time you take it at home? Um, like are you are you crashing or are you so jolted back up? Like thinking like I didn't even know like because being at that age, I didn't realize my consciousness was chemically altered. Like that realization didn't even occur to me until we'll get there later in this conversation, but um into my twenties when I was in college. Mm. Um, so like I just thought like I didn't even I didn't understand why you know like other kids my age after that at at the after that point of being medicated, like my peers were running around and playing. I was sitting there quietly with my hands folded. Um, I would go to my friend's house and they're like, why can't you act more like Pete? Because I was just always quiet. I did what I was told. And it was because I was medicated. I was on, you know, an amphetamine. And, you know, so I just sat there like like trained dog, kind of. And um, not saying that it was bad or good. I, I mean... It, it made me who I am today. So, I, I mean, I, you know, I can't, like what you were saying earlier, uh, is my success or, like, how I did in school, you know, is it, you know, based on the medication or, you know, are there negative side effects? And it's, you know, and it's up in the air. Um, well, it's not, I think, you know, the whole point of this conversation, too, is, is to expose that this is not a black and white issue. No. It is very gray. Yes. And what works for one folk does not work for all folk. Yes. By a long shot. And there's not a right answer or a wrong answer. No. You know, and, and back then it was a little different. I think that was kind of, uh, and you could probably speak to this a little bit better, but that stuff was really gaining a lot of traction back then. Oh, yeah. So, like, it was, you know, that book that my mom read led to me and, like, two of my cousins also getting on medicine and, mm-hmm. you know, like... And my family's a very um, medical-based family. Like, my, my uncle and his two kids are all doctors. My brother and my sister are nurses. My background is in nutrition and dietetics. Um, my cousin, she's a registered dietitian. So we are, we are a very medical-based family. It's just the career that we all go into. And so when this, like, information came out, you know, they were like, oh, it's a chemical disorder. Like, you have, and, you know, so they did what they thought was best. Like, they took me to the best doctor there was. Like, this was supposed to be cutting edge, like, in the medical field, like, helping kids, you know, get on the right track and everything like that. So, um, and then I meet other adults who thought they have, or, you know, they are now diagnosed with ADHD, and they were never prescribed medicine as a kid and they're having very difficult time as an adult you make making these different transitions i mean i still have those difficulties but um i believe because of my medication i am more aware of those um and like i'm like okay and now i'm more consciously aware of how this medicine affects me i can take more uh, natural approaches through my diet and supplements well because um, now you know what it's like not to be be on it yes and and like you were saying to to know that difference of consciousness of when you are on your medicine and when you're not when you're a kid you don't really know that mm-hmm. you know it's like the doctor told me to do this my parents were telling me to do this so i just do it yeah you know and to me it was no i i just thought it made me behave you know like i was like i'm no longer running around 
it wasn't like that's all to me. It was like, oh, this medicine makes me behave, mm-hmm. and because I was like, oh, I misbehave all the time. Like that's what's wrong. I didn't understand the connection of. I mean, and I'm gonna guess it's really hard, you know, to communicate that to a six year old. Oh, a hundred percent. But my thing is looking back on it is the the medicine is only the first step and it's behavior modification and you know techniques how to deal with that it's a tool yes. you know it's it's like anything else the the medication itself is not going to fix it yes it, it's a tool to utilize for the overall picture because i mean shit you could take stuff like that and you know i i think for some folks they take drugs that early and they just end up always doing drugs yeah you know, because they just are chasing this high, this feeling that they're looking to bring fulfillment to their lives. And the the sad reality is you'll never get there. You know, you might find a new drug and find this new feeling that you get from it, but that is only going to last for a short amount of time. Yeah. And it's not real fulfillment. You know, it's, it's putting the bandaid on the open wound yeah. in those cases. But this is a different case where they, it was more like a, uh, you know, here's, here's the solution to the problem yeah. and this will fix it. So you go through elementary, I'm assuming it kind of stayed the same in middle school, or would you say that's kind of where like a lot of the eating challenges started? Um, so at a young age, I was always super skinny and like my mom was afraid out cause I wasn't growing. Um, and I believe some of my medicine had, cause if anyone has ever taken it, one of the big, biggest, you know, side effects is the loss of appetite not hungry but my problem was i wouldn't eat all day and then i binged eat at night like every single and it was the 90s we had hot pockets we had pop tarts lunchables had, yeah and, and i was one of five kids and like we and we, we were the house where like everyone's friends came to so by the time it was like nine ten o'clock at night my mom's like well, like, I'm not cooking again like you weren't like she's like just make yourself a pizza turnover so it was right. like years of that then also led into um, a problem. Another reason why I wanted to do nutrition was I became overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, it totally messed up my sleep schedule. I I remember as a kid, I would sit there with my eyes wide open, like counting. You know, like you know the popcorn ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I had that, and I would like count the little dots in my bedroom, like while I was just sitting there trying to sleep mm-hmm. and wanting to like. Like, just turn off my brain and, like, crying because I couldn't. Yeah. You um, felt like it was running? Yeah. It just wouldn't stop. And that was, the, you know, an issue. Um, and then I, I switched over. I think I switched to, like, in middle school, new drugs started to come out. Um, and I've been pretty much on every medication prescribed for ADD and ADHD. Um, so it started off with Ritalin. I went to Concerta, then I went to Vyvanse, and then I went to Adderall. Which I what do you think was the most effective um, for your particular case? It, I will say it, it's really hard to say um, because I like to compare like to compare it now looking back because um, I do feel like Ritalin was intense, but I was also like super skinny and I you know and a small child. So the effects of, you know, of mm-hmm. that. And then when I hit puberty, um, you know, like I gained weight. I, you know, like these chemicals affect you differently. And um, and I always wondered, 
did that change um, the you know the different hormones and um, something I think about a lot now is you know dealing with ADHD as an adult and depression and anxiety did it have any effect with like my dopamine um, production or my serotonin or my norepinephrine because you know with these medications it's forcing your body to create more or have or assist in like the uptake and the and those receptors so being on it so long i always wonder like did it have any permanent damage because mm-hmm. i do suffer or i do have these other side effects and is it related to that or is it genetics you know is it more environmental and it's hard to know but it's, again you now looking at it and using different behavior modifications i can deal with all these different symptoms and that's how i kind of approach it now for sure so you get through middle school going into high school and and it was pretty consistent through high school as well then right mm-hmm. yeah so then college is when i would I, i'm asking is like is that when you really started to question it what? yeah so i mean going through high school there, I, I i would stop taking it on the weekends um what was that like so it was, like if you're take, I'm just asking, are you if you're taking it five days a week, mm-hmm. and then you stop for two days, like what is that like? Um, I had some very severe um, emotional upswings and downswings. Um, I remember I was working. Um, it was like 16, 17, and it was the summertime, so I decided not to take it during the summer, and I just got off of it. And this, you know, I went from taking at this point in time, I, I no longer take it three times a day. I was on a time release. Um, so, you know, it just has a slow breakdown at, when you take it. And uh, I was working with my friend. I just started crying. And she was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I just stopped taking my medication. Like, I feel like like it was just these influx of emotions. And she's like, you need to get back on that. And I, then I got that was like. Cause I was like the first summer where I was like started to really go off of it. And I could tell like once all of, you know, that like was losing, like for a week was leaving my, you know, cause you're gonna have a buildup. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so once that was leaving my system, I was just having a, a very imbalanced, my body didn't know how to react anymore because it was getting these certain you know, chemicals or like, or my receptors were acting differently when I was on it. So when you just, I, you know, I, I just was like, I'm quitting. You mm-hmm. know? And I didn't taper myself off like I should have. But, um, so it led, it led into this, like this influx, uh, like this chemical imbalance. And it was, and it was really hard. I mean, it, I went through some deep depression and had some anxiety, but then I went back on it and it kind of like went back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so in college was when I, was like okay like i'm getting off of this right and it all started because i was pre-med and uh i was in my biochemistry class and we were learning about um different medications and the ph- and ph- the pharmaceutical industry so we were le- we learned that you know ritalin adderall this was a methamphetamine like i never as you know before this i never looked at the pill bottle actually like oh this is my medicine um this is you know whatever i'm on at that time concerta i always called it by its brand name Mm -hmm. never by the molecular structure and when like it just clicked you know in that class i remember it was like the last semester 
um, of the of the of the winter. It was so cold, and I was just like, my mind was blown because I was like, holy shit, I have been on a methamphetamine my entire life, and you know we you know I grew up with dare, and you know like all these drugs are bad, and I'm like, oh like wait this is the chemical substance I've been on. Like they're only like the chemical structures, are, like only like one molecule off. Like, and that's what makes it interesting. Cause during that time it was don't do drugs is yeah. the dare program was really big hitting every school every year. And then on the flip flop of that, I mean, you're taking, you know, methamphetamines. Yes. Um, and, and not just you, I'm sure a good chunk of those kids were, were prescribed that so it was a really interesting time because we thought you know this is pre-internet yes. so we didn't go online to look up all this stuff like we just didn't have that resource at all so you know we just thought all drugs were bad yeah <laughs> don't have sex <laughs> don't have sex you'll go to hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> just kidding and so meanwhile a decent portion of the student body developing brains are prescribed these drugs that are one molecule off yeah. of what was considered illegal. Yeah. Um, so you're in college, you start questioning it. What happens after that? So <clears throat> when I, when I was in that biochemistry class, I was always very against drugs. Like at this point, like I, it only thing I have ever done was what I was prescribed really. Um, besides smoking weed. Uh, but I didn't start that till I was 19. And at this point, I was about 20, 21. And I have never done coke. Mm-hmm. And then th- I literally left class. I called my one friend who I knew did coke, you know. And I was like, I have never said this before. But I was like, I want to try coke. Because I was like, I want to see how my brain reacts and how I, you know, react on a conscious level on a drug like this. Because of what I just learned. I was like, it's like, I'm not, you know, I've never had a problem with addiction or anything. And I do not recommend, you know, going out there just self experimenting like that, <laughs> but that's who I was. And I was like, I want to try this. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I did Coke for the very first time after my uh, biochemistry class. And the first words that I said was I'm back. And it was the first time since I was like a child that my consciousness was again like up here and i'm like wow this is messed up i'm like this i was like this is the conscious level i've been at and forced to be at my entire life and once you like once i became an adult because like to keep up with that i would have to take more and more of them you know a higher dosage but then i had to deal with the side effects like i couldn't sleep i became you know, like I would fidget, I like my heart would race. Um, so I'd, like you had to find this like healthy balance, but like I was always running towards this level of consciousness to be in such a frontal lobe that I couldn't chase it anymore and I couldn't get there. So I always looked down at myself like, like, oh, you're not as good as you used to be, you know? And it was that first time when I did coke and I could understand why so many kids who were prescribed eight, you know, Adderall and these types of methamphetamines, they have, they get addicted to it. Um, I went a different route 
that next semester, um, I switched over from pre-med to nutrition and, di- nutrition and dietetics because I didn't want to prescribe children medicine. I didn't, I felt like it was unethical or I didn't feel like I could make the right decision. It wasn't your path to take. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you say you're back, do you mean that in a way of like, almost like when you took your medication for the first time as a kid, that's how you felt? Yeah. Okay. Like, for like when I was... Like, like when you're saying you couldn't get back to that plateau that you used to be able to get to, yeah. then you tried Coke and then it was like, oh, this is, yeah. this is like what I was feeling back then. Yeah. And that was when I became aware of that that conscious connection between when I was a kid and these different chemical influencers. Right. Right. I don't want to just say a drug because it's, I'm looking at this as a chemical um, molecule that like, you know, regulates our chemistry. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and it causes different reactions, you know, and it's going to be different for everyone because we all have, you know, different chemical makeups, genetics and everything like that. But um, for me, it was just like, this consciousness that I felt was the first time since I was a kid that I was just so I was strapped in. Yeah. Like, and just imagine, I mean, if anyone, I'm again, not condoning it, but if you've ever done Coke and you're like here and you're like, Oh, I'm going to clean and I'm going to get all this shit done. Think like being like that for your entire life and never turning it off. And then, so when I got to college, and like I, you know, I was like, I'm getting away from all this medicine. Like I'm tired of being medicated. Like I was like, I want to learn who Pete is, without all these different chemical influencers. And it was rough. I mean, for real. Like I almost failed out of college. I, you know, I had to develop these different behaviors and the, you know, and these different techniques that I could use to, you know, upset the, you know, what the lack of dopamine and um, you know, all these neurotransmitters that I don't have or the uptake. Just lacking in, yes. yeah. So, um, and I really got into yoga and meditation during this time. Um, I went through that journey and I'm currently studying yoga um, at the Spiritual Life Society in Hudson uh, to become a yoga stru- instructor because I want to use more natural ways like meditation to, um, it's so funny. Cause it's like in the late nineties, no one was talking about meditation. Oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> we were talking about yoga and I, shit. Like <laughs> I grew up thinking it was evil. Like I grew up at, like I was a preacher kid. Like we meditation yoga. Like I was taught that was up. Seems like hippie shit. Yeah, but you don't realize that like your brain is a muscle just like anything else and you have to exercise it and you also have to let it relax. Yeah, stress is a huge, um, it affects your dopamine levels. So if you are highly stressed, so someone like me who has high, high anxiety, so I stress out a lot and I stress out easily. I also have IBS. Um, I like not having a outlet or a healthy way of dealing with that. Because to deal with that, I went to a, a, a psychiatrist and they put me on um, Valium. I've been on uh, Xanax. I've been on Klonopin. I've been on Zoloft. I mean, I was taking Zoloft uh, 
Xanax and Adderall, all prescribed from the same doctor. Like, and I was 19. And, and to be honest, in my personal life, I was, you know, I was in college. I was drinking. I was partying. It was not a good chemical, <laughs> you know, uh, cocktail that I was on. And it let, and because I was on medicine my whole life, I developed a pill problem because, mm-hmm. but like everything I was taking, I was prescribed though. But like, that's where it gets tricky Yeah, because you don't, you know, it's not like you're going to the trap house and you're making sketchy deals and dealing with sketchy people. Like you're getting this from your doctor. Yeah, but at the same time, you was my doctor, but at the same time, like you've, you feel that, that I don't want to call it like, addiction the weight of addiction but that is what it, i mean your body is addicted to it yeah regardless if you get it from a doctor or from some guy off the street yeah i'm i mean i'm lucky that i don't suffer from a i don't have an addictive personality so i was and i'm always fasting from anything i do in access so even at that like young of an age like i was on all these pills and i was a you know I was definitely, um, but like in my mind, I was, was like, it's okay because I have these, te- like, you know, I broke it down. Like it's science, right? Like I have all these different like chemicals that I'm not producing or I'm producing too much. Um, and I was like, it's just genetics. Like my mom suffered from depression. Most likely my dad and my grandpa had ADHD. Um, so I was just like, I'm genetically, you know, this is what my DNA says and this is what I have. The only way I can treat this is through medication, right? That's Mm. the way I used to think. And beginning school back, this is like in 2007. That's what we were, we were taught to learn. We learned that your DNA was set and it wasn't until I really start diving into like nutrition and dietetic dietetics and your epigenetics. Did I, and you know, that the gut brain connection that I like, wow, like we have way more influence on our body and we are not predetermined by just genetics. I mean, it plays a part for sure, but it ain't the whole pie. No, it's not the full circle. And I mean, the choices you make over your life play a role in that. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, look, there's Pete Jenks. There's people that, (laughs) you know, trash their bodies for decades yeah and i think yeah i think genetics probably plays a part in them being able to prolong that long but look dude if you fuck your body up that much over the course of time it's gonna give out at some point it just is and so if you died at 60 you might have been able to live to 80 or 90 with those good genetics but just the opposite as well i mean if you don't have the best genetics then you know you you probably have to take that extra some extra measures just to, you know, make sure your health is where it needs to be. Yeah. You know, whether that's supplementation, exercise, meditation, yoga, even not yoga, just stretching. Like people underestimate the importance of stretching. Yeah. You know, and it's so important. Every day. I mean, your whole body is just like a highway of tubes, right? Like Mm -hmm. your veins, your digestive system. If, you know, if you don't take the time and just stretch all that stuff out, like, and twists and do inversions like have some fun and like let your blood yeah. flow differently like twist around you know just enjoy yourself it's necessary it, and it goes it's like when people say when people deal with a lot of anxiety that's one question i ask them i go well how much do you stretch 
How much sure. do you just pause? Yeah. Because I think a lot of folks, they stress themselves out because they never release any of that. Yeah. You know, they don't do those stretches. They don't have that time to just try to get their brain to turn off. It doesn't work all the time. No. And it's not going to solve every problem in your life, but it helps. It does help. And speaking on that, like becoming, I, I do think one good thing about being on medication my entire life is it gave me a different perspective. It gave me a perspective at an early age of when I do take any different chemical influencer, I'm able to like, oh, I'm I, I'm like hyper aware of how this is affecting my consciousness. And I take notes of that because of, you know, of that one incident uh, when I first tried cocaine ever since then. Anything I did from that point on I was like, I was like, how is this affecting my, my brain chemistry? You know? And I was like, can I get these same effects through more natural means? Is it, or do I have to have this? So I went on a whole journey of getting off my medication. I did not do it healthy in a healthy way though. Um, if anyone out there is listening, I highly recommend talking to your doctor and not just getting off of it. I just, stopped you went cold turkey i went cold turkey which is not recommended, recommended. you no. really want to wean yourself off it's very very especially dangerous. for something like you're, like someone like yourself that had a high dosage because you're taking it for so long yes and it's <clears throat> i mean it's just you know for folks that you know to kind of correlate it to something that maybe more people are prone to like alcoholism if you're an alcoholic you can't just quit no, <laughs> like and your liver will give out. The the thing is, you might you might be able to do it mentally, and that's what I was trying right. to like prove to myself that I was like, I can do this. You know, I can just get off of this and be like everyone else. But I didn't. Again, not knowing the things I know now, um, you know, it was very early on into my college career that, uh, you know, your there's a difference between being mentally addicted to something and then being biologically addicted. My body was used to these, the, the influence and the upregulation of these different hormones and neurotransmitters. And then I just ceased to stop. I will tell you, I went through some of the darkest times in my, in my like 22, 23, 24, severe, severe depression. And, you know, but like, you know, thankfully, you know, I was able to, find a uh, psychologist that mm -hmm. didn't prescribe medicine because uh, that was my big thing. Um, I found an amazing counselor in, um, in Kent. Uh, so, and he really helped me. Um, and he was, and he was actually like, his name was Peter. So that was crazy. Um, I didn't even know if didn't I didn't have to forget his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was studying yoga. He was into nutrition. Um, so I like, think that's an important point to make too. When you go find someone like that, it's okay to shop. Yes. You know, go find that person that like correlates to other things that you believe in your life. Like you were at that time finding your yoga practice. Yes. Like you were just finding that. So then you found this other person that could help you that it all kind of ties in together. Yeah. It was such a like, wh wherever Pete, wherever you are, I just want to <laughs> say thank you. I mean, other Pete, other Pete, not this Pete, <laughs> other Pete. He like, w like it was, a, I remember like we, like for our talks, we would just go walk the uh, Metro Park trail and Kent by the river and just have life discussions. And, you know, we were and we would go and do like 
do different just it was not like it was a yoga course or like anything like that but like he would just have me do simple breathing exercises this was literally the first time i've ever done yoga it's you know like i said before i was i grew up in a very very strict religious family you know we're italian you know my mom was a minister and a biblical counselor like that was the only path that Mm -hmm. i ever knew and when i was finally as an adult i was like you know i'm going to explore all paths whatever you know resonated the truth for me and pete gave me um just great way and just a new way of viewing all these different you know um my adhd my anxiety and my depression you know he just he gave me it was the first time i was like okay i can deal with these with behavior modifications we can use stress relieving techniques like breathing and then an important one was sleep i mean like it was it's not been until just recently where i've actually like really worked on my sleep schedule it's important man it's underestimated too like people be like oh you know i don't i sleep four or five hours a night it's like you function you're not going to function optimally if you don't get your sleep and that doesn't mean like if you sleep 10 hours, you're lazy ass. It just means for the other 14, you have to do, do work. And it's, like you got to do what you got to do. And it's more than just like having a messed up sleep schedule during the week. And you're like, ah, oh, just catch up on sleep during the, the weekend. There's no like catching that. up. Yeah. It's consistent. And people, you know, right now on social media, there's this whole thing about, oh, I get four hours of sleep. I'm tired. If I get eight hours of sleep. I'm tired. I get 12. I'm tired. It's because you're not getting it consistently. Consistently and like what kind of sleep quality of sleep. Yes. How much of your REM cycle are you actually getting? Yes. And that's what it really comes down to. You can sleep, but like, look, if you, I mean, as we drink whiskey, but if you drink first time alcohol, in a month. For, yeah, <laughs> this guy was sober all month, all month, not me, but definitely <laughs> this guy. But, <laughs> but you know, if, if you're an alcoholic and you never really hit that REM cycle, then of course your body's depleted of nutrients because if, especially if you're doing liquor, you know, yeah. you're just burning all that shit away. And then the sleep you get, yeah, you're, you're passed out, you're knocked out, but you're not getting rejuvenated sleep. No. You know, your body's dehydrated. You're war- you, that's why you're worn out. You didn't get good sleep and your body's dehydrated. I mean, it, it's just like now I am paying so much attention to sleep. Like, turning off my phone an hour before be- like not like, look <clears throat> not looking at your phone no an look- hour before bed yeah that's a big one i so you know i i stop all electronics by 11 now um what time you go to bed midnight about 11 30 midnight i'm definitely. such an old man dude <laughs> uh, i can't i can barely make it to 10 o'clock anymore i i am i'm a late i'm a night owl yeah see you and Britta are night owls see i'm a morning person i get up at six seven o'clock and i'm oh, rocking okay. and rolling i mean i get up around 7 30 um because you have to though because i have to <laughs> uh, i i say that's nat- the difference <laughs> naturally i wake up around nine like and that's how most folks are and that, that, that's how i used to be it was weird. Now that I have a job that I don't have to be there early, I actually get there earlier. Yeah. Because it's like, there's not that pressure. It's like, oh, I guess I, you know, with my job now, it's like I get there when I get there and there's no sweat. Yeah. But with that came with like, I just get up earlier. I get up like 6 or 6.30 now. It's nuts. I am trying to change that habit. I even, it my cousin, Tanya, she, uh, shout out to her. Um, she sent me 
an alarm mat. Like, so you actually have to stand up and stand on it to turn it on. Oh, that's smart, dude. Yeah. So I, because I have such trouble, again, because, you know, it's that that lack of attention, especially in the morning, you know. Well, it's so easy, bro. You hit that snooze button. I'm a, I'm a chronic snoozer. My coworker tells me he sets like 10 alarms for I, every like five I, to 10 minutes. It's like, oh my gosh, dude, I, I can never live with you. I used to be that way as well. I can't do that. Like, look, at that point, just get up. Like if, if something's going to wake me up every five to 10 minutes, I like to me, I just can't do it. Like for me, I'm, I'm not as bad as 10. I have two alarms. <laughs> um, I have one at, I have one at 720, which never works out for me. And then I have my 745. That's like the ultimate, like that I, I have yeah. to be up. But, but for folks like you, that's important. Yeah. Like living with someone that sleeps can sleep through alarms like you need that first one just to be like all right like for myself i get up and go but for other folks i understand it's a process so like you need that first alarm just to realize that you have to start getting up yeah and then you get your brain going a little bit and then then, you know you start the second alarm this is when i really have to start getting up the third alarm is usually like all right now i'm late yeah and that's typically what i've seen patterns (laughs) <laughs> you <laughs> yeah i mean and this is a and so going learning more about adhd and diving into it it is a very common symptom mm-hmm. with people with adhd um and add because we have we don't realize time like other people do i will be like oh 10 minutes well i can walk the dog I can, <laughs> you know, I can get ready. I can shower, like shower. What? That takes like three minutes. Walking the dogs, like that's like five. And, you know, I'll make my coffee. I'll get my, take my supplements. I'll brush my teeth. I, and I'll do all these things. And then it's 20 minutes later. I'm like, wait, why am I late? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I just I try to condense all these things into this unrealistic amount of time. Because, and it's, and it's difficult. I mean, I'm not trying to make an excuse for it. But it's just something I've always yeah. dealt with, even in school. I almost got held back because I was so late. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you can't make it to school on time. They're like, this kid's never going to have a job. No, <laughs> exactly. They they were going to put me, um, so sixth grade, I was told I was going to be put into special ed classes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's politically correct anymore but um and if you're in the <laughs> class i guess you <laughs> yeah um and then the but i was like no that's like i'm not like I'm, i don't have like i don't need to be in those classes I, my problem was i wasn't being stimulated enough i actually in school they would write my my name on the board and you know i went i went i was in a very low economic school and um the teacher would write my name on the board and i would only be allowed to ask three questions a day because I always wanted to know more. Yeah. And you were that kid with raising their hand yeah, all the time. Con- yeah. I mean, I behave, but I, I was just like, why? Why do they do this? Why does <laughs> you the were uni- the why kid? Yeah. Why? I was like, <laughs> why does the universe act that way? I, I wasn't, but like, I, but was, that's good as a kid, but as a teacher, yeah, that has to get annoying. So especially well, if you've been in the game for a decade or two and you're like, Oh, here's kid, one of these ones, kid. you know? And, but, <laughs> But my problem was I wanted to know more. I wanted to know how it worked. So I got bad grades because my attention, like, my, like I wanted more, but like, and I needed more um, individual attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're in a big school. Now I'm in a big school. I, you know, like my high school, I was like, 
one uh we started off with i think 700 800 kids by the time we graduated <laughs> it was like 400 dude that it, is inner nuts. city schools for it yeah so <laughs> just to show like even though we're from the same town we grew up different so how he had that many people in his class i had graduate well in my school when i graduated we had 300 350 kids total that was just my throughout class the whole year. school yeah that's through the whole school i graduated with like 50 60 kids that's the difference between private school and inner city schools. And we only went to school about 10 minutes yeah. apart. I mean, we're very close in proximity. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but the crazy... So the thing was, going back to that sixth grade, when I was told I was going to be put into these special classes, um, I, I, I took that and I was like, no, like I'm not going to be in these classes because my brother and my sister you know, were both very academically um succeeding in their academics uh, you know they were both honor roll students and things like that i was always the c student and uh let's talk about that for a second though because i was that kid too like i was the kid that like i didn't do terrible at school but i didn't do all that good yeah and i always just felt like and this probably isn't good to say i kind of not to say like my future, my fu- your future does weigh on how you do through school. No. I think it it not from like a great aspect necessarily, but just like how you deal with others. Can you work as a team? Can you do well on your own? Stuff like that. But uh, well, see. I forgot where I was going. So I was away from well, you. <laughs> I mean, for me at least, you know. Once they told me that they were going to put me in the, you know, like, I'm falling behind. I'm I'm never on time. And That's what we're talking about. The grades. Yes, grades. Like, when folks were, like, when, you know, the straight-A students would be like, oh, my God, you you know, you got a C, you got a D plus. I'm like, yeah, it sucks, but, like, I know my life's not over. Yeah. And I know in the future, whatever I get into, they're not going to care if I got a D plus in history in sixth grade. Yeah. Like, I just don't think my future predicates on that type of level. Yeah. And I feel you on the whole, like asking questions, wanting to know more, but it's hard to concentrate. You know, I didn't grow up with ADHD, but like, I remember being really into science and I could not pass a damn test to save my life, bro. I was like fifth or sixth grade. And I remember crying in the hallway one time and a, like another student came out. It's like, what's wrong? It's like, I'm just frustrated. Like I'm, I love what we're learning and I feel like I'm learning it. And then I get to the test and I feel like I don't know anything. Yeah. But it's because we were drawn to what we're actually interested in. Yeah. And then maybe on the test, they're just asking some stuff that didn't really have to partake in that. But you know, now as an adult that we can pick and choose what we want to learn. It's, I feel like we just excel so much better, Yeah. you know, but we had to learn the fundamentals on how to learn, even if it was stuff that we didn't necessarily want to learn to be able to get to where we are now, yeah. to be able to do that stuff on our own. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Random millennial thoughts, random millennial <laughs> thoughts, <laughs> uh, you know, and it, you know, but when they told me that it like, I was, I was challenged and I was, Seriously, I was like, challenge accepted. Yeah. And not, so I went into seventh grade mm-hmm. and I went from, you know, they're like, we're, we're watching you. Do we want to be like, are you going to be in, you know, we're going to put you in these special classes or we, and then I was like, you know, no, like that's not going to happen. And I worked my ass off. And I was at, so after 
seventh grade, they actually put me into the international baccalaureate program because so like there's advanced program and then there's the international baccalaureate program. And they're like, oh, wait, this kid, like he, uh, he, yeah, he is late all the time and he's late for everything. <laughs> but I feel like they're like, there's no changing that. And this guy's been my friend for over a decade. And you know, that's like, if anyone knows me, I'm just going to be late. Like, that's it. That's we purposely tell them different times my sometimes whole just so he tells me <laughs> an hour difference because they know i'm gonna be late and it, if it's a time pressing situation we tell them an hour earlier but and i don't mean to it's just who but you know what too is like i think that's what love is though love is like truly accepting people for what they are yeah and look bro if we know you're gonna be late we just rigged the game a little yeah <laughs> you got to and i don't mind it and that's all. the thing it's like a mutual understanding, you yeah. know? It's like, you're not, you don't take it to heart because you no. know you're going to be late. I'm go- I know I'm going to be late. And we're looking out for you because we don't want you to look bad, right? Yeah. And so Especially it, it all works out. it is time sensitive. And I know that. And it's just like, but again, it's just, I, I mean, and, you know, looking into it, and I know that I'm not the only one out there. And for anyone out there with ADHD, I would love to hear anyone, you know, comment on this to know how you deal with that because I still struggle a lot. Well, it's a lifelong thing. I don't think it's anything that you're going to be like, figured it out. I'm done. You know, I don't think it's going to be like that. I mean, you know, using tools like I know I have, you know, I'm being better at scheduling on my phone and. Thank God we have our, you know, uh, <laughs> our friend Christian, who, who has also been on this podcast. He is the Excel sheet guru and puts like all of our friend thing, this whole like PDF and Excel. Format. The reason <laughs> the reason our group does so many things, especially in the past when we could go to festivals and concerts and all that stuff was because of Christian. Yeah. Point blank. I take care of the food. That guy takes care of the organization. <laughs> this is how our friendship works. You know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though, man. It's like everyone should play to their strengths. Yes. And when we focus on the weaknesses, and then you your you know confidence deters and it just leads leads you down a bad road. If everyone just focuses on their strengths, things just end up working out. Yeah. And, and with, especially with a group, like over time, we have just kind of learned the group and who does what the best exactly. and what makes the most sense for folks. And, and now it's to the point where it's like easy. It's like before we even really put a plan out, it's like we already know like Pete and Libby are on some food stuff. Christian's <laughs> going to organize some things like everyone kind of has their little spots that they're going to do. Um, because that's where you where your strength is, you know. Like if Christian was on food, he'd be he'd bring some good food. Yeah. But like, is it gonna be Pete level food? Probably not, because that's he'll like he'll bring some Pete's, ice cream. He'll bring some uh, well, ice cream if he can put it in the right freezer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not joke. But uh, R.I.P. to the ice cream. <laughs> but yeah, dude. All right, so you're going through college, yes, and you're going off the medicine. You're going into nutrition. Mm-hmm. Is there a time from then on that you kind of get back on the medicine? Um, so I suffered internally with a um, a battle of do I need this medicine? Do I not need this medicine? Like I like I said, like when I was going off of it, I didn't taper off of it. I didn't implement the necessary behavior modifications because. Th- those resources weren't available to me. Um, I kind of had to learn that all on the, 
on, on my own. I Another do thing to note too, not to cut you off, but like there's a lot of information on how to get Adderall at this time, yeah. like early 2010s and stuff, late, yeah. late 2000s, early 2010s. A lot of information on how to find a doctor for there's not a lot of information on how to get off of it no like a not. good plan no on how to wean yourself off everyone's of it. talking about getting on medicine you no know, so yeah you're like what you're saying this is 20 to, um 2010 you know and the, the, to, to 2008 around that time and everyone's talking about like you know you're depressed you get on xanax you're you know you have you have adhd you get on adderall you the, have i uh, a pill will fix it attitude yes which yes, is exactly very unhealthy and very dangerous. And again, coming from a chem- a medical based family, I, that this is what I thought was normal for the longest time. And I took a huge shift, and I was like, I'm going through this on a more natural route and dealing with this. Um, and it was a lot of struggle. Like I said, uh, I almost failed out of college because I didn't have the um, techniques and. The different, um, what the different tools I needed to deal with, um, you know, the different chemical imbalances that I did have, especially the huge chemical imbalance of just quitting cold turkey. Um, then I went back on it, and then I went off of it. Then I went back on it, um, and I, and even to this day, I still struggle with um, this kind of internal love hate relationship like i was saying like oh like i do need it but then like like oh you're making an excuse for yourself you know and um so i learned how to the one thing that helped is i got i i actually got a lot of help from a uh federal uh government like agency it's um bvr business vocational resources um and i went to kent state and uh they also had a program like I got extended test time that really helped. Um, you know, they like I start learning about different test anxieties because I suffer from that. Like different techniques, like start taking peppermint. You know, when I would take a test, I would chew gum or something like that to help stimulate my brain. Um, and it was, so I started like learning these like small behaviors. And once I got into that, my grades went from like like from almost failing to like now I was succeeding and it was, you know, getting into yoga, learning like this is a science, not just, you know, what, from what I was taught, um, that it was like this, like Eastern religion. Like it wasn't even a religion. It was just a practice that was bringing into my life. Like the, this breath work, this meditation, bringing that laser point focus. And I was starting to slowly be able to implement that into my personal life I'm not saying it all corrected itself. I'm still dealing with all of this and I'm on this journey. Um, so I don't want to know in effect, like any of these problems were um, fixed themselves overnight. It's been over a decade. That journey started when I took that class, when I told you the first time I did code, mm-hmm. I was 22. I'm 32 now. It's been a decade long journey and I'm still in it's it. It's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong you know? journey. I yes. remember you were like, you want to go to this yoga class? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just some dumbass college kid. I don't even know what yoga is. Like I've heard of it, and I know I know about yoga pants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah heard, but <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know much about yoga. And you're like, you want to go to this class? So I didn't think much of it, and I didn't. I had nothing to do, so I was like, sure. Man, 
I remember walking out of that class. I'm like, yo, Pete just changed my life, bro. Right? It like, was so like and and granted, we had a phenomenal teacher. Our yoga class was right on the river. Oh my god! I mean that There's that was my favorite place. About water. There's something magical. I've done life. yoga for like almost ten years now, and there that place is the most. It was magical. magical. Yeah, that was the best place I've done yoga by far. I remember the like the one time me and you left. We left our that yoga. It was uh, at the Silk Mill in Kent, um, mm-hmm. and uh, like I was just like, "Do your senses just feel like heightened right now?" And it was just insane. Like it's a it's a interesting natural high. Yes, very. after like an hour, hour and a half yoga session, and you walk out because. All that tension in your body is released. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of the tension in your body, not all. A lot of the tension in your body is released, and you can almost just think in a like with a clear head. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's when I realized um, when I started doing yoga that there is an actual natural way of dealing with this, and I was because I I noticed my senses were heightened after. I noticed my focus was more clear afterwards and, you know, and that, you know, granted, you know, it's an exercise. It's the breath work. It's the stretching and it's putting intention into it, you know? Um, so, and this, and th- at this point in time, I was going and doing yoga more from an exercise standpoint and not actually, you know, now where I'm looking yoga into more of a practice, so, the meditation state too. Yeah. So, at, so twenty-two-year-old Pete starting yoga to now doing yoga, it's kind of complete. I mean, Which just, is the way it should be. It, I mean, it I should dive progress. more into it. Um, yeah. I, I learned to respect it. I learn. Uh, that's why I, I don't even know if I'm. You know, I'm about to be. I'm finishing up my yoga teacher training. I don't know if I'm going to teach yoga. Um, it was just for deepening my personal understanding. Yeah. Um, and that's why I got into it um from on that aspect but it, it that was the beginning of learning the tools necessary to have a more natural behavior modification to deal with this ADHD and this anxiety and this depression and and it led into this whole journey and this whole wellness outlook that I try to teach and to, to incorporate into my own life and i'm you know it changed my life to for sure well it changes the way you perceive the world because you can learn how to take a breath and what yeah. i mean by that is like when you get in high stress situations a lot of people don't realize but like you're holding on to your breath and then it makes your body stress yeah so when you get into high stress situations, if you can learn how to breathe through them, you actually can get through them calmer and make a well th- a better thought out decision. Yes. As opposed to when you stop breathing and your body gets tense and then you just react off of whatever comes first. Taking that minute to take a breath in through your nose, out through your mouth and just think things out for a second. I mean, that could literally alter your trajectory on life on a day-to-day basis. Oh, 100%. Just reacting to shit. Because look, things are going to happen. But the way you choose to react to them, it says everything about your character. Yeah. You know, like bad shit's going to happen. Good shit's going to happen. But like the way you react and the way you move forward says everything about you. And if you can be more conscious of the way you react, 
is when you actually learn control. For sure. And uh, an analogy I learned is like, what are you actually, are you in, when are you actually in control? And uh, my teacher taught me, you know, you have, you know, are you in control of every decision you make? I mean, when you leave the door, did you use your right hand or your left hand? I mean, it might be silly to think about, but it's like how how much are you always in the driver's seat? How much are you making decisions and how much are you just on pilot mode? And it's interesting. Yeah. And it's like you have on one side where you're conscious and then on the other side you have all these auto reactions. Like you're just doing it. And yo, this journey of yoga is to be getting to more of the side of where you're conscious of, about every decision you make. You know, am I going to brush my teeth with my right hand or my left hand? And, you know, I, I, I it was funny. Um, my old roommate, Keith, he was also on this podcast. We oh, did yeah. a whole experiment of we were conscious for like an entire month of what hand we're going to use to do different things. Like I was brushing my teeth with my left hand and I was getting like toothpaste all over my face. <laughs> and, you know, like, but I chose to do this. And it was kind of interesting because it's also... Like, I also, like, put it towards, like, because of, like, you know, when I'm brushing my teeth with my right hand, how easy it is. And I just switch hands, and I'm, like, I feel like I'm a toddler yep. just yep. trying to brush my teeth. And, I'm just, and my dad suffered from Parkinson's, and I'm, like, this is actually a great experiment because now I'm making new neurological pathways in my brain on, how, like, with muscles that I'm not used to using, and I'm going to, like... It actually, so you're actually making new connections in your brain to understand. And like the, as that month went on and just practicing with my left hand, I'm naturally right-handed, but I became better at brushing my teeth with my left hand. And I, and I feel like it's silly, but it was no. for me, it was just, it was really cool. Especially thinking about that. Like, you know, like just talking about gen getting back to genetics, um, you know, I, genetically, I, there, like there is a chance I could develop Parkinson's and I was like I'm going to do what I can now to change my epigenetics my genetics are set but your epigenetics are the on and off switches of your genetics so I can create a more positive environment so hopefully I can offset that mm -hmm. or completely negate it I mean again this is all theoretical well, it's but, interesting because it's like if you take that approach when you're younger and if they could do scientific studies of watching people make those changes. Yeah. And it, could it actually alter the DNA over time yes. over the course of a few generations? You know, if, if your genetic line has a problem with a certain disease and if you take certain precautions, uh, precautions and actions, could that make a difference? through the next few generations that maybe down the road, they wouldn't have to deal with it as much. You know? I mean, I think we, there are some cases out there of them testing this. Um, a, a good, if you're looking for some, a good book to read, um, Deepak Chopra. Uh, I don't know if I butchered his name or not, but, um, he wrote super genes. He's wrote, um, he's wrote quite a, he's wrote a lot of books, but he, uh, you know, he has, that yogic background mm -hmm. but he he's also a doctor so he brings science into it and uh 
I, I, I love his books. If you guys want to read anything into, you know, dive deeper into nutrition and genetics and your ba- brain chemistry, definitely read him. He is amazing. Yeah, for sure. So you're getting your nutrition degree. Yep. And you're starting to figure things out a little bit more because now you can kind of separate, you know, you on your medication and not on the medication. So you graduate from school and you're, you know, going into the workforce. And how, how was your relationship with your medication like that? Um, so like I said, like when I was in school, I was on and off of it, especially with studying. Uh, I learned while I, I needed to study, I needed, I, at that point it was too hard to deal with being off of it to, to implement the necessary, uh, tools that I needed to deal without it. So, um, I went back on it and, and, and during college and, um, but once I entered the workforce after graduation, I kind of got off of it and, um, and it's been a lot easier to, um, cause I'm not constantly having to study, but there's been a lot of difficulties. Um, still time is one of my biggest ones. Um, but, uh, that level of concentration it you know, it's been easier to deal with the tools and, Again, like I've just in just diving more and more into my my personal yoga practice has helped and into medita- uh, meditation, getting into different forms of meditation, getting into breath work. You know, all of these have been tools that I could use to help negate the side effects of ADHD um, and also looking into my diet, you know, and exercise. You know, I highly recommend being if you are suffering from ADHD, be aware of how sugar affects you. So I, I love iced coffee. I love coffee. I like, you know, I'm a Duncan baby. That's why he's late half the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but I'm, and I was addicted to like all the like different creamers, you know, like I used to love pop. Like, so a little side story. Uh, we were going to Zip City which is like a trampoline place. And this dude shows up late and I'm like, what are you doing? He shows up with this like tall boy of iced coffee. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we're about to jump on trampolines for the it next like three again, hours. I'm like lactose sensitive <laughs> and I'm just like jumping around almost like going to throw up. So that was the level of addiction to Dunkin' Donuts for Pete. <laughs> and, but like, learn, like, and I was like, have all these like flavored creamers and everything. And, uh, you know, drinking soda. Like, I love to bake. I'm a huge, like, I love to cook. If anyone follows me on Instagram, you see my food all the time. What um, Instagram is that? Nutrition My Way. Hey! hey. Plug uh, it. <laughs> and um, learning, you know, get, and then getting away from these artificial sugars. You know, and I slowly, and like, I, I took a lot of steps. Like, I'm to the point, like, I, I drink my coffee black. Um, if I do want it sweetened. I uh, I just add stevia, um, which is a natural sweetener. Uh, it's th- important, man. Yeah, you know I think a lot of us grew up um, crashing, <laughs> right? You you grow up crashing. You yeah. grow up on these sugar highs and these caffeine highs, and it was interesting in my not the job I'm in, I'm in now, but the job prior. You know they'd bring in donuts and all this shit in the morning. And I'm like, you guys don't eat any of this. 
And we're like, no, yeah. we'll feel like shit in three hours if we eat that. And they're like, oh, back in my day, we would have had a sugar crash by two. It's like, yeah, we learned from that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a good place to be in. No. <laughs> well, and uh, so people who have ADHD, and this is also goes with anxiety and depression. Um, so sugar actually, so because you want more dopamine, right? Sugar does create more dopamine, but you all, then you have a crash. So you create all this dopamine and then it's gone. It's not a sustainable for, um, source of dopamine creation and, or I don't know if it's cre- creation or the release of it. Um, but, uh, so you have that high of dopamine, but then it's, then it's gone. So then you're chasing it. So that, so you're having very highs and, and, the, and then immediate lows. So that, that causes a problem, right? You, cause you want to like in your nutrition, especially dealing with different like hormones and chem- like chemicals in your brain, you kind of want to keep it very consistent. And uh, from that aspect, getting off of added sugars and artificial sugars is great. Now, now I'm not saying never have sugar ever again, um, but try to get more natural sugars. Like if you want, you know, something sweetened, you know, like add dates to your cooking, add, you know, like add applesauce, add different and it's things a, like that. It, it's a process too. Yes. It's like, you're going to, I did not get off, get off of it. And again, like I'm still, this still is an ongoing process. Yeah. It never ends. Like no. your knowledge just continues to build Yes, and you're going to make mistakes, but it doesn't mean you give up. And especially with nutrition, it's just, uh, I feel like that's like a never ending journey, yeah. you know, and fi- finding out where like that strongest routine comes in Yeah. because it really does change your life. Like what you consume changes your life. It changes what you, what your output is on the day to day. Yeah. I mean, the difference between someone that, you know, consumes all their vitamins and minerals versus someone that just eats greased up, fried up food. And there is a complete difference in their trajectory of energy throughout the day. Mm-hmm. There's a complete difference and it all correlates. It all plays into each other. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we get stuck in these cycles of just like, if you get down, you know, say you lost your job and then you start eating shitty food and then, you know, you end up having a bad attitude. Like it all starts playing into each other. But then we start making those, those changes of, breathing exercises and stretching and starting eating a little better. And then you want to eat a little bit better now. And then it's, you know what? I'm not going to do McDonald's. I'm, I'd rather find some actual meat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not processed to, to its core. And like, it's such, it gains traction. Yeah. You know, I think for both of us, we got really turned off by those those just shitty excuses for food. Yeah. You know, you and I are not fast food people. We, we much rather cook at home and cook a bomb ass meal than like do some takeout from some. But I will also say bullshit. we grew up as those type of people. Of course, I mean, but that I, was the thing back then. Like yeah. we didn't have that outlet of information where like we could learn about that. But at the same time, I don't know. It's like I remember my mom taking us to uh, Burger King, and one time I was like, "I wish I could eat this all the time." She's like, "Well, you're not going to." Cause yeah. But like, I didn't understand why we couldn't eat it all the time. Cause it was like, it's chicken. Like yeah. we get chicken here, yeah. we get chicken at home. Like it's just chicken. But then you realize that like, 
It, the chicken ain't the problem. Yeah. It's the the probiotic or all the antibiotics, know, antibiotics the, and all it, the it's all the preservatives. It is the way they're cooking it, what they're cooking it in. The they fill added it up with salt, gluten, the and, added sugar. Um, and again, like like talking about like iced coffee, right? I used to be the person who would get okay, would get two to three large iced coffees a day Ooh. topped with I would do like double pumps of whatever all the fixins all the fixins <laughs> and it, it was it was a slow process I would you know I would want to normal amount of pumps of whatever flavoring I reduced the packets of sugar I was using um, I was doing less creamer and I, then I eventually got to the point where, now, granted, once uh, September, October comes, I do become a little bougie and pumpkin spices out there. Hi. Pumpkin spice, pumpkin <laughs> beers. Pumpkin spice. And then the Christmas <laughs> beers start to hit. It's, exactly. It's a challenging time. Like, the holidays, it's different. <laughs> like, January until, like, September, I'm cool with, like, my coffee going black. But as soon as pumpkin spice out, I'm, I'm, it, it's okay. Treat yourself. Yeah, Treat and that's yourself. the other thing too is like, you don't have to be a Nazi about it. Like, no. like have your fun, but also know like what I tell folks is like moderation for sure. But it's also like, what do you have in the house? Yeah. Like when I go out, that's when I'm gonna piss off and just like get some fried chicken or whatever. Yeah. But when I'm at the house, it's like ginger smoothies and you know athletic greens in the morning and. Making sure if we're having meat, it's from, you know, a place that is not going to fill it with a bunch of bullshit and like yeah. it's actual meat. Um, it's high quality. It's high quality, you know, and it's, it's like like what you do with your car. If you're mm-hmm. going to put, you know, if oil in- into your car that, you know, you're just spending as little much money on possible it's probably gonna gunk up and you know you know my you know my shit is for because i love that analogy i always say if you put water in your gas tank like of course it's the car's fault for not working because there's water in the gas tank but you were the one that put the water in the gas tank thinking that was going to still work and that's a great analogy for your body if you put water in your gas tank and then you still expect your body to function at an optimal level. It just doesn't work out that way. Yeah. You know, the science is not there to work in your favor. Yeah. Um, and look, like, I'm not saying if you like go have your fun too, but especially in this COVID era, when people are so freaked out and thinking like a vaccine is going to save their life, it's bullshit. Like yeah. take care of your immune system, take care of your health, exercise, get good sleep, kind of just circling get it all back around. Vitamin D and some zinc. Yeah, heard. You know, it's just like take those extra precautions. Like, outside of you being healthy, you'll just hands. feel better. That's what I'm over. I'm over people saying wash your hands and wear a mask. And I get no, that they're important. Wash, they're important, but that's not the only aspects no, that no, would help truth. you. And I, I don't know. I'm not in this field, but I would think if you had a really healthy immune system. The washing your hands thing wouldn't be as big of a deal. Well, so I teach food safety, mm-hmm. and you know, when it comes to washing your hands, it's actually about removing the layer of bacteria that's on your hands. And yes, mm-hmm. there is good bacteria on your hands that you actually need, but it's the problem of we are learning now that there's a whole science out there on gut bacteria and your mm-hmm. gut flora 
a lot of people have awful gut bacteria and especially i feel like in this country um because of everything that we eat in our diet and these different microbes cause different chemical releases inside of our guts and there's so much to be honest there's a lot there's just fecal matter everywhere (laughs) (laughs) and washing your hands is getting that those types of germs off off of your hands and this is a way to to negate the transmission of the bacteria from one person to another i mean i mean washing your hands it wasn't until like the Civil War, people died more in the Civil War from doctors not washing their hands. And even to this day, there is an extreme amount of people who die in surgery, not because it went wrong, but it's because people didn't wash their hands. And Bruh. it's so important. I mean, I work in grocery stores and I see a lot of you know public bathrooms and how many people don't wash their hands is disgusting. For like, sure. You would be... And for anyone who works in the public, it's it's it it's shocks rough. me. Like especially yeah. during this pandemic, like for sure. how many people don't wash their hands? For me, it's like post bathroom and before I eat. That's pretty much the only times I wash my hands. See, I I go from grocery store in my I, I you're in a different situation. Yeah, so I so um tell them about your job. So, so I work I, I work for a food company. Um, and uh, it's a it's a major brand. And so I go into diff- grocery store to grocery store, um, checking on food security, upselling um, food and making sure there's products for WIC and, you know, different things like that. Um, so when I'm going from grocery store to grocery store, I'm seeing, you know, I- I'm around people and I'm in Columbus, Ohio. So like we have, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big population for Ohio. For sure. And um, I'm around so many different people. I wash my hands after every single store and i mean like my hands are cracked like (laughs) like they're like my knuckles are bleeding just because of like how much i wash my hands which so you had to like use lotion to negate those side effects but i do believe because i'm taking those precautions is why i haven't got sick Mm -hmm. you know um I hate wearing the mask. I, I wear my mask, but I wear glasses, so <laughs> it's foggy. really it's really difficult. Uh, I was like, I I, I want to get LASIK just because of wearing the masks, but um, I, I I think you know everyone wants to wear masks, but it's not talked enough about about people washing their hands because, like I said, it's gross to see how many dudes i don't know about you know women's <laughs> restroom but how many dudes walk out of the restroom i mean even after shitting and not washing their hands it's disgusting yeah it's fucked up yeah it's it's especially it's, after a duke yeah like wash your like that's what i said there's fecal matter everywhere <laughs> and, and if I mean, you get anything from this podcast yeah, yeah no, everything is covered in shit um but like that's why like you know they these people go out of the bathroom and then they're like touching cereal boxes they're touching you know what oh everything products you know know, shaking hands and and so i go like with my job um i teach food safety for the state of ohio i teach your hands are actual vehicles uh like that's one thing you're in control of right like anything you touch you can cause cross contamination. You touch sand, uh, you touch chicken and you don't properly wash your hands afterwards. And then you cut lettuce and now you're not, you're not going to cook that lettuce to it gets to a high enough temperature. You just transferred salmonella. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's kind of that same thing with the virus right now. You're not washing because viruses really are not like you need to get that stuff off of your hands. Mm. And that and th- this is the ve- your vehicle of tra- transporting it very easily. That's why they say don't touch your eyes, don't touch your nose or your mouth because, you know, that's how yeah. you're going to get it in. And, uh, and it's just being hyper aware of that. And I do think this is good. Like the fact that hygiene needs to be taught. Like, I mean, and this is simple hygiene, (laughs) but again, it's a huge problem in the food industry. It's a huge problem in the medical industry across the board. And it's simple, but wash your hands, take 20 seconds, sing your ABCs, use hot water and scrub both sides of your hands and in between your fingernails and underneath your fingernails. Like do it every mm-hmm. single time, especially when you go out. Like because you're nasty. People are nasty. People are nasty. People are nasty. I mean, we're not actually all animals are nasty. Yeah. And honestly, we're probably one of the cleaner animals. And you know, it's not like we live outside all the time and like we have to bathe ourselves with our tongues. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's like use the resources available to you. And I and and. I'm more about you washing my hands than using hand sanitizer yeah, because same. you see using hand sanitizer. The problem is you, let's say you get your, your you, that takes away, like I said, that takes away all the good bacteria with the bad bacteria mm-hmm. and, and all of that can actually help you. Um, and let's say, or in like these disinfectants and if you just, and it's about removing the actual physical contaminants from your hand. Um, but not to get too, um, off sidetracked. Uh, no, that's uh, what's great about podcasts, man. We got, it's random. Yeah. It's random millennial ADD. thoughts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what else would you expect on the ADHD episode? Exactly. <laughs> so now as you're like a working man, mm-hmm. what's your relationship like, uh, with your medication now? Or, I mean, do you still take it or? Um, so recently, uh, I, I just started a new job. I like in 2020, I moved three times. I, you know, started, you know, a big jump in my career. So I reached out to my doctor about getting back on my medicine and by like, and working with him. And it's actually been really difficult, um, to try to get on which is good because, you know, there was such an influx of people using it for the wrong reasons. Um, so it, it's yeah, it, it, and adults. Um, but it was just easily get way too easy to give out, and so I do think that's a good thing. Um, but trying to get back on it, and um, and using it at a healthy dosage and understanding that better. And again, I'm at the I'm at the a point in my life where, like when I was in school, it was too hard to implement the behavior modifications while working and going to school full time, you know, I worked two, three jobs while I was in college. And, uh, so that point in time, like I, I, I found out like I needed it. Right. But now like, I'm like, like, Hey, can I use this medication to help me? Like, and you know, especially in the morning when I have the most difficult, um, you know, time to concentrate, but, and, but then use it, to um help implement these tools in a more healthy way and coming 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 at it with a more strategic um outlook um and using it more as a tool not as a 
way just to cover up my and not just doing it because it's on the schedule doing it because it actually makes sense to do this certain amount at this certain time of the day yes um like i found like just through trial and error all like i was at one point prescribed 40 milligrams a day um which for folks that aren't aware that is a lot yeah like Folks usually start off what like five or ten. Yeah, like I do not like the time release. Uh, time release, like I will wake up in the middle of the night, like especially when it's in my system and I can't be in control of it because um, uh, like I'll just wake up in the middle of the night, like fully alert, like, ho- and I will then then you know my sleep schedule's off. I I'm not in control of it. Uh, I the instant release where I um, I can take you know five milligrams in the morning mm-hmm. and then i'm usually good to go like, right it's just helping you give that boost in the morning but it's not then, like impacting your entire day yeah and then i you know and it's very rare but like if i have a lot going on that day maybe taking another five milligrams like halfway through the day but compared to 40 doing five, five and 10, five yeah, yeah compared to doing 40 and were you doing 40 at once or 40 throughout would, the day would, i would do a 20 and then a 20 Ooh. Yeah, and I mean, like, my heart would race, um, you know. I, Your heart's on a damn marathon yeah. right there. And again, it's like dealing with those, that lifetime, like, what is that doing to my body long term? Like, right, like in my 20s, I'm a pretty healthy guy, but w- what side effects is that going to cause when I'm in my 40s, when I'm in my 50s? Mm-hmm. And those are the things, like, I can, like, these drugs, and I feel like, you know, can be beneficial. Um or, and I don't, again, chemical influencers can be in, beneficial when they are proper, pro- properly introduced. You are working with someone to, you know, develop these behavior modifications that are needed or teaching you the tools of how to better and more adequately deal with, you know, because for everyone who has ADHD suffers from, you know, there are the people who are hyperactive and the people who are inattentive. Mm-hmm. And then there's the third group who are both. I'm both, you know, um, and it just depends. Sometimes I'm more hyperactive and there's more sometimes when I'm just more attentive. And then there's the, the perfect storm as well. And uh, so it's just you, you need to, you know, doctors need to when they prescribe these medicines, need to work with their patients and develop a plan for them and talk or at least talk about the plan of how to implement these drugs and these chemical influencers into their lives and how can because how can you use that to hopefully get off of it at the same time because if you just have that little bit of help of you know with these you know different chemicals in your brain then maybe you can implement the tools that you need in your day-to-day life. Maybe it's a daily organizer. Maybe it's, you know, the, the alarm mat, like I'm Mm -hmm. trying to use now, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I use Excel in my daily life to Google calendar has been an amazing tool that like, I mean, that's just good for anybody. That's good for anyone, but using these tools in your life to help make it easier and they help take the workload off of your um, 
you can put your attentions elsewhere. Yeah, you put your attentions elsewhere because everything's organized for you. And then also paying attention to your diet. Like I said, mm-hmm. you know, being aware of your sugar intake, being aware alcohol also affects that, just like sugar. Um, exercising regularly will help with your dopamine. Um, eating a, a protein-rich diet um, can also help with dope. So dopamine needs two of your essential um, amino acids. So there's 20 amino acids that you need to make protein. I be- Don't quote me, but I believe you need nine that we don't get um, biologically. We So we need to eat protein sources to get those essential amino acids. So we have all the proper building blocks. So like what you said, if you're eating crappy quality of protein, now granted when I say this, there's there's a lot of evidence out there, but I firmly believe that different qualities of protein. Um, so when you eat proteins, now you can eat from animals or uh, vegetarian sources. Just know if it's a vegetarian source of protein, it's an incomplete protein source, meaning you have to get two different types of proteins from two different types of foods. Like either if it's beans mixed with rice, but it doesn't mean you have to eat them at the same time. But that's a whole other s- subject that I want to dive into. And if it's a you know an animal source of protein, you know, is it organic? Was it free ranged? Was these were these animals raised in an ethical and you know just like like we used Duma meat like so long in Kent, and this is this farm in Ohio. And the first time I went there, it was insane because I just saw this cow like just playing, and <laughs> not like then I eat, then I'm eating the beef. But um, well, that's a good rule of thumb right there. It's like I always say, if you can't smell the animal shit when you roll up, you probably shouldn't buy the meat from there. <laughs> you know, it's like. If you can go to a place that actually, in a place like Ohio, we have that option. There's so many farms around that you can find places that you can get their, your meat from. Yeah. And it's not like this, you know, it was, they had this farm on this other part of the country or maybe outside of the country. And then it was so processed to keep it fresh, to get over here and all this stuff. No, it's in Ohio, grew up in Ohio, died in Ohio, getting ate in Ohio. And, you know? and like this farm, I don't believe they're organic. Because organic is an actual, actually, it's a legal term. And it's bullshit. It's a fucking branding it, term now. It, it is. Um, I mean, it's good. It has its good qualities and its bad qualities. But, um, you know, when you are able to actually go find a farm, because it costs a lot of money to be labeled organic. People don't understand the regulate. Like, I, you know, I work very closely with um, federal regulations and state regulations. Um, and it's hard to keep that up. And when you're a small time farmer and you just like, let's say you want to start a farm and you want to, you know, raise these animals and you want to take care of them ethically, uh, you know, it can be hard to be counted as organic and you're going to have to buy a lot of stuff, but doesn't mean it's not ethically and well raised, you know, uh, cattle or, you know, chickens or anything mm-hmm. that you're, you know, you decide. So that's what I loved about, you know, finding that farm. If anyone out there in the Columbus area and you guys know some good farms out here that we can yeah. find some good chicken eggs, um, some good chicken and beef, 
we are looking. Um, so I'm Show. out there looking for you. <laughs> Find us. <laughs> Find us. <laughs> yeah. For sure, man. It is important. And like, and support it's so important. those farmers too. And that's the, yeah, that's the other part of it is like, you know, those folks need your support because they don't have the, you know, the big grocery store chains looking at them. Uh, they really do live and die by their own farm and their own shop. Yeah. You know? So it's important stuff, man. And like, it, it just all plays together from the exercise to the eating, you know, to supplementation. Yeah. Um, well, and going on supplementation. So the big question, do you need to supplement? And, and that's a, that's a question that you need to ask personally. Uh, I, eat probably a lot more vegetables I feel than like the average person even compared to some of my uh, vegetarian friends uh, I know a lot of vegetarians who uh, eat I, I say eat quote like unquote shit. a cheese diet <laughs> and like, I don't eat meat I just eat macaroni and cheese cheese Jesus. quesadillas <laughs> cheese it's I'm like oh, do you eat um, anything but cheese that doesn't sound like you're a vegetarian but uh, it's a lot of uh a lot of congestion in the <laughs> yeah. digestive system. <laughs> I mean, and I love cheese. Don't get me wrong. Like, I still eat cheese, but I'm like, no. It's like, again, you have to eat everything in moderation. Right. Um, but, like, you know, even though, like, I eat a very high vegetable diet. I'm a, I am like, I consider myself a flexitarian. Um, so, meaning, like, I eat meat. I eat, you know, vegetables. But, like, I also try to eat less meat. Um, I grew up, you know, we were here from Ohio, very midwestern diet meat potatoes you know meatloaf meatballs like i grew up if it didn't contain meat i didn't think it was a meal um where now i'm i love to introduce vegan options into my life i love to try uh vegetarian options and like and it's great but like for me personally you know i've gone on those adventures of being vegan and um vegetarian because i love you know, trying different nutrition um, sources and taking different um, different diets and exploring those as well. Um, That's how you figure out what, what works for you. Yeah. And, and you that, never are if you're not going to taste and try different things. And that's know? why I call it nutrition my way because nutrition for me and com- for you is can be, can be very different. It's based on our backgrounds, on your family, where you're located, what's in season. I mean, it's all these different aspects. And uh, But what everything that like like what i was saying back to the dopamine your dopamine needs protein to um be produced it, it needs i forget the two that exactly needs but there's two essential um, amino acids that are needed to uh produce dopamine mm. so that means it's starting in your gut so if you're not paying paying attention to your gut health you can you can you know i feel like this is a science that's not being talked about a lot and it's, it's up and coming and I love digestion. Like that is my favorite topic when it comes into nutrition studies is, is your gut health, your gut flora. I think this is paying attention to what you eat and create an understanding. You have an entire civilization of bacteria living inside your gut. There are more bacteria living inside of you than there have been humans on the planet throughout time. And they're all working together to, to create you. 
and they react to your consciousness. Like if you're stressed, they're going to know if you're happy, they're going to know and they're going to react accordingly as well. And, um, so it's understanding that. And if you create a healthier diet, you're going to, it's, it's going to, need to take time. Okay. And it's not, this is not going to, you're not like, Oh, I yeah. started eating an apple <laughs> and I had a salad today. Why am I still, you know, no, it takes years and, and you have to keep up with it. And, uh, and it and, doesn't mean you don't have downfalls either. No, I, you have highs and lows. It, I it love happens. pizza. I love wings. I love cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> like I still eat all that stuff. But again, it's finding like finding a balance with and it. And that's why I fell in love with cooking too is because I, I, you know, have, I'm like, I can make these foods, but in a way better way, um, that will be more nutritious to me. Mm-hmm. Like this morning I had waffles, right? I like, how did I add? I was like, I was like, I'm going to focus on potassium. Then I'm going to focus on the protein. It's going to have a healthy source of carbohydrates, fat and protein. So now like this is, you know, like in my, like in my own personal recipe book, like these are my post-workout waffles, like potassium for the lactic acid, you know, it's protein to help with the muscle fatigue, you know, the muscle breakdown, carbohydrates for, you know, energy. And then you have fat to like healthy fats to, you know, add, you know, what you need for your joints and for your heart health and everything like that. And this is how I approach cooking. This is how I approach health and, you know, and it's um, and implementing it in a realistic way for sure as well. For sure. I think that's important. I think sometimes folks, you know, look at the green juice cleanse or something like that. And they're like, that's so far removed from anything I could do. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all that, no. especially in the beginning. You know, you could get there to, at a certain point, but Look, if you don't have any greens in your diet, just start with a salad. Start with doing like celery and peanut butter or and something it, like that. And if you, you know? don't like that, there are pl- like complete greens. Isotonic, athletic greens. Athletic greens, complete greens from isotonics. Um, that's one I use. Uh, There's a lot of great supplementation yeah. out there. Like and we were talking about Christian earlier. He was saying how he struggles get to get his greens in throughout the day. So I put him on athletic greens. He's like, it literally shifts the way he his energy levels. Yeah. You know, throughout his workday, just because he's finally getting those minerals and vitamins that he's been needing, but he doesn't have to go find it in foods. He can just drink it in a little shake in the morning and be good Some to go. Some people, I mean, because of how you grew, I think like you and I, we kind of like push back. Like, and I mean, I find ways of creating food that not only is like is good for you, but tastes good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel, you know, but like for just people who like, for whatever reason it is, you don't like greens or you don't like vegetables, I highly recommend researching and coming and, and trying it. Um, something like this. I mean, if you want, if you want to go the most natural, get, you know, you can get kale, a dehydrator, you dehydrate your own kale, put it in a, in a blender and now you have greens and then you can add that to your shake. Like you don't mm-hmm. even have to go buy them. You can make them yourself. For sure. like that's what they do. Um, but like research the brand that you're using. Cause again, you don't want to, if you're going to be taking these supplements, you don't want them coming in from, in my opinion, you know, like from across the planet 
from like you're like getting grains and they're coming all the way from China or Russia or you know or, or like Brazil then like the cost of the you know of them getting to you there's contaminations along that process you know stick to like research your brands know what you're taking and take good quality and, and again like and you're if you're like looking at taking vitamins or anything like that read what's in it like those things are filled. yeah research what's in it and like i always say like our biggest vote in this country is our dollar mm-hmm. so if you keep spending your money on vitamin d and zinc and vitamin c and athletic greens and all this stuff like it will shift the market after a certain point once enough people start doing stuff mm-hmm. like that the reason these unhealthy foods are so popular is because they're so profitable yeah. If they and didn't make the money, they would not sell them. I, 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 I question if you can get a burger and I mean, just think <laughs> about that for a dollar. I, I mean, and how much money it takes to, from the start to, get that to finish. Patty. Yeah, get that I have patty worked every level of the food industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked in food production. I worked in distribution. I've worked grocery retail restaurant um schools i've worked in for hospitals um so i have like a a very wide view of how at least here in ohio how like food is distributed and how it's raised and everything from state and federal regulations all the way to production and you know to consumption and that this is why i personally personally find it you know, I will spend extra money on meat when For it sure. comes to it is a, it's a complex. It's very complex on a molecular standpoint. But like now, like I am a single guy. I am not saying like I'm swimming in money or anything. So, you know, if I don't buy all organic vegetables, I just wash them and rinse right. them <laughs> like and, you know, and I'm I'm OK with that because they are they're more simpler. It's a more simple um, molecular structure in a mm-hmm. plant than it is in when it comes to meat. So I feel, um, you know, to offset that. So do what I, also what is best for your budget as well. It's a balance to it, man. It's like budget plus health and it all kind of factors in, but you know, the excuse of, you know, well, healthy food's expensive. You know, I used to have coworkers that would tell me that yeah. and then they go spend, you know, 10 bucks at, you know, Wendy's or whatever. You can feed a family for 10 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, you could go get yourself a thing of hummus and cukes for like three bucks yeah. and be set. And you'd feel better throughout your day doing something like that as opposed to doing French fries, tenders, and a little burger yeah. with a smooth. Especially with when a, you're doing that on the daily. Like people yeah. do that on the daily and I'm just like. Well, they think it works for them. It's because they're young and their body can handle it. But trust me, that thing's going to wear out. Yeah, my uh, name she was 13 at the time. She's like, Uncle P, I can eat what I want. I'm 13. I'm like, well, what you eat today affects you 10 years from now. This yep. like It takes seven years for all the cells in your body to become you're a new person every seven years, give or take, uh, from a molecular standpoint. So like, th- like when you think about that, like what I'm eating today is going to have an effect on me for the next, basically the next decade. Yeah. And so like I'm... I mean, like I'm 30 now. I'm eating, thinking like, where do I want to be? I'm eating. I'm, you know, hydrating. I'm 
working on my stress levels, my sleep schedule, all of these, the, this whole wellness, this is a holistic way of dealing with health in a preventative way. And I think that's a, a problem in our culture now is we've grown up to um, treat health post, like I broke my arm, now I'm going to the doctor. Or like, you know, like I... We want to fix it after there's after an established it. problem instead yeah. of just preventing the problem happening in the first place. Yes. Um, you know, different things... It's just are, like stretching we're talking about. Yes. How many injuries would have been avoided if you just stretched? Properly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like, or if you exercise learning the technique correctly. I mean, if you're over there squatting and your back's bent and your <laughs> knees are... You know, not Wobbling. properly in line. <laughs> I mean, you can, you, I mean, you, suffered, really hurt you suffered from a, you know. Oh, a really bad back injury. Still, yeah. still working on it, you know. And, and again, it's like. I wasn't even lifting weights. Yeah. <laughs> like, and things can happen. Like, I mean, as you get older too, you have to just pay attention even more. And, uh, but like for me, it all starts with what's on your plate. Because sure. it, it is, it's the one thing that we do every single day it's multiple times a multiple day. times a day and we got to do it and and it's honestly i feel like for the majority of the people at least in you know this country i can speak of i don't have a lot of um i've never been outside the country so um besides canada what's up cousin <laughs> but um you know by controlling what goes into your on you know on your fork on your plate it it's gonna have such a huge trickle down effect that i mean if you want to change the world change how you eat because it's the quickest way and the most inexpensive way and it's gonna when people start and that's the one thing that you're actually in control of for sure a hundred percent and what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, 100. You know. So, yeah, dude. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's just like having that willingness to keep wanting to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, not getting stagnant in one place. And, oh, this is where I'm at. And this is what it is. And this is how it's going to end for me. It's like, uh And be okay to, be- like, there, like, there is no perfection. There's no perfect diet. Like, yeah. Do Everyone's what's best different, for man. you. And yeah. one thing I can... Um, I think that's really helped me is keeping like a food journal. Yeah, um, even on your phone. I love this. is not a plug. It's just who I use. Um, um, my fitness pal. I believe it's by Under Armour. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's a way that I can keep track of what I'm eating. It gives me a breakdown of my macronutrients, um, and then so and it, and I can just scan you know barcodes it has restaurants on there i can just go right off their menu um and i'm not saying you have to do this for the rest of your life um i i mean it's something i do because my background is in nutrition it's what i do i talk about all day but um give yourself like challenge yourself for a month just record what you eat see where your nutritions are see what your daily caloric intake are and if you're trying to gain weight lose weight don't just see what you're doing now mm-hmm. and then make a change. Too many yep. people make changes to their diet without even understanding what they're doing right in the moment. Yeah. That's great advice. Like just take down what you do now yeah, and just see where you are. And then from there, 
talk to a professional and see where you can make improvements. Any client I talk to, I, I tell them, I don't, I'm not going to work with you if you can't just record what you're eating for two weeks. <laughs> for sure. Cause if you, uh, cause I, I was like, if you just want to lose weight, I'm not the person that you want to work with. I yeah. work with people who are looking to make a health conscious change for their health. Not it's a lifestyle just, change. It's a lifestyle change. And you know, like, and it's not a, just about losing weight. Like that will probably be one of the side effects. But like for me again, like this is a decade long journey, you know, it's a life journey. I, I, you know, obesity runs in my family and you know, is that culturally, is that genetically, is that environmentally, is it, you know, nurture versus nurture versus nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's so many different arguments and way of looking at it. Um, like my mom, my sister, my aunt, um, on both on my mom and my dad's side have all had gastric bypass surgery. I weighed over 260 pounds going out of um, high school and I dealt with, you know, I lost all my weight because I fell in love with food and, um, and I went to school for nutrition and I did it through making small changes. For sure. Well, that's what it is. You know, you make those small changes and then you look back a few, you know, a while later and you see a big change happened over time. Yeah. But no, man, it, you've had a, an incredible story. I thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you for having me, man. Anytime, man, you'll be back. Oh, you know, sure. now I got the Columbus crew. So be more than just O'Neill on multiple. <laughs> <times>. <laughs> we'll get the, we'll get O'Neill back here though. Um, if anyone has any questions or you want to reach out, I'm, I always love to chat. Um, you can all, Across all social media platforms, it's nutrition my way. TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on all of it. He's so, on it. Yeah, so I'm. I, I always have my phone on me. <laughs> Is it healthy? But not after eleven. Not after eleven, <laughs> though. <laughs> no, for sure, man. We appreciate you coming on. This has been awesome. Um, and you know the the reason I wanted to focus on like that aspect of your life is. You know, we kind of talked about this behind the scenes, but there's, this is a story that is so common, but I feel like it's not talked about a lot yes. and it's important for folks like you to speak out because there's, you know, a good amount of folks that did, were prescribed those Ritalins and Adderalls younger and they became drug addicts because they got addicted to a feeling. And it says a lot about your self-awareness, um, that you were able to look at that as you grew up and realize that that wasn't, you weren't going to live your life chasing a feeling. You're going to live your life trying to, how do you live the most fulfilling life? And when it came to food and nutrition, you really started, you, you figured that out, yeah. you know, and we were talking earlier about, you know, one of our friends that has um, a sibling that's really struggled because they haven't, you know, they never went on the medication and now as an adult, they really struggle and that really made me sit back and think like, you know, it's, it's just so not a black and white issue. It is very gray and, you know, you're able to take what happened earlier in your life and actually turn it into a positive, Yeah, which is, I think is really just the lesson of the whole story. You know, it's not about what has happened to you. It's about what's your, what, what are you going to do about it now? And you could go chase a high, you could overeat, you could you know, continue with those negative sleep patterns, but instead you 
focused and readjusted and then just executed, you know, started to figure out how do I get better sleep? How can I get my brain to calm down without having to rely on a supplement, you know, asking those questions and then finding the solutions of what works for you really does tie in your brand perfectly. My new or nutrition, my way, you know, yeah. figuring it out for yourself. Cause it is different for everybody. It is same on some level, but on another level, it is different for everybody. Yeah. And, uh, no, man, it's important. So I appreciate you coming on. It's Thanks been awesome. Check out my dude nutrition, my way all over the interglobe. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> awesome, brother. Well, uh, let's go make some dinner. I'm starving. I'm hungry. <laughs> awesome. Well, much love y'all. Uh, we'll be back for a show. Um, we got the new studio set up, so I don't know who's coming next, but we'll figure it out. We'll be back next week. <laughs> All right. Much love y'all. Bye. Bye. Two hours on the Jizzot. That was a great conversation. I that was like awesome.